Father, we thank you tonight that we can gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to study your word. We ask your blessing upon this time that everything that is shared here this evening will bring you glory and honor. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're such a good father and that we can depend upon you completely and that you've promised that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that in every circumstance, in every situation in life, you're bigger, you're bigger than anything that we might encounter. And so we ask you to bless this time and Father, just lead us by your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been talking about uh, the believer's authority and so uh, we're going to uh, continue that subject this evening. You know, last week we spent quite a bit of talk, time talking about um, Satan's origin and so forth. And because, you know, one of the reasons why I felt that that was important was until we really understand the origin of man and the origin of, of Satan, it's kind of difficult to understand the whole authority thing that we we have concerning him, uh, the fact that we have authority. And last week we talked about the fact that um, when God created the world and he placed man in the garden, uh, that he gave man uh, dominion over all of his creation. And so, again, as we shared last week, it was almost like, not almost, I guess we can say it, he made us God, small g, of this world that he had created. And so we're going to continue along those lines tonight because I just think it's so important that we, we have an understanding of this because I believe God gets credited with a lot of stuff that he had absolutely nothing to do with. You know, because God has nothing to do with death and destruction. But then, on the other hand, I think we give the devil a lot of credit for stuff that he doesn't do. I mean, it's, it's stuff that he's influenced, encouraged, but, you know, <clears throat> old Flip Wilson, he was a comic from years back, and his favorite line was, the devil made me do it. And uh, I believe where the devil and demons are concerned, uh, for a lot of Christians, that's been their theology. The devil made me do it. But we need to realize the devil can't make us do anything. And uh, he is a foe. He is trying to influence our life. Um, but he can't make us do anything. And so, you know, just like I shared, I guess I must have shared it Monday night up at the prison, how, um, you know, the first individual that I ever heard use this terminology was Jimmy Rushton when he, when he was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he said, we need to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. And we need to learn to cooperate with him. We need to learn to listen to him. We, le we need to unlearn cooperating with the devil. We need to learn that his influence in our life is for death and destruction, nothing 
less, nothing more. Because ultimately, he wants to bring death and destruction into our life. And, and, you know, those influences come from the flesh, the world, and the devil. And so we need to recognize those influences when they come against us because those influences are trying to take us in a direction uh, we definitely do not want to go. So if you got your Bibles, um, turn them to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. This is where we're going to start tonight. Um, and we're going to begin in the 10th verse, Ephesians 6, 10. And what we're looking at here is uh, Satan's only, only power is deception. And that's what he wants to do. He, he wants us to, to deceive us into thinking uh, what is good, I mean, what is evil is good. You know, <clears throat> Dr. Colois talked about how, and I'm not going to, phrase this right because it's been quite a while since I've read this. But he always said how sin always promises to, how does he say that, Terry? Please and serve. Please and serve. Always promises to please and serve. But what it ultimately does is lead to death and destruction. And so it's a, it's a, it's a lie from the get-go. And so in verse 10 of Ephesians 6 it says, Finally, my brethren, you know, I just think it's interesting. Um, last part of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the first part of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, is talking about relationship. It's talking about relationship between husband and wife, parents and children, employer, employee. Uh, he's talking about relationship. And so he's just got done talking with us about the relationship between, you know, the master and the slave, the servant and the slave, the you know, relationship. And then he goes on and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And basically what he's saying is, uh, to maintain a good godly relationship, there's a spiritual battle that's involved in it. Because the number one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to bring division. And the place where division is the most effective is in the home. Because when he can get husband and wife to be in disharmony with one another, when he can get parents and children to be in disharmony with one another, it opens the door for, for all sorts of destruction. And so, um, so he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the ways of the devil, the attacks of the devil. It's in your notes. Wiles literally means cunningness, craftiness, and deception. We need to be able to stand against the deceptions of the evil one because that's the number one way that he's going to try to bring death and destruction into our life. Satan doesn't have power or authority to force us to do anything. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to deceive us into cooperating with him. And if he can deceive us into cooperating with him, he can lead us into all sorts of destruction. The problem is that he's a master liar, intimidator, and deceiver. 
he intimidates us, intimidates us. He, he leaves us with this impression that if I, don't, if, I, if I don't do such and such, I'm going to lose everything. Well, the lie is that if we do such and such, we're going to lose everything. Because that's his ultimate goal and purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy and take from us everything that's been promised to us. Listen to this D here. This is really important. When we don't know the truth, you know, we're going to be looking later at a passage where it says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you don't know the truth about who we are in Christ and the power we've been given, then in a very real sense, we are the ones who are given Satan the power and authority to rule and dominate us. Whoa, that's a mouthful. But it's so true. If we don't, if we don't realize the authority, the power that's been invested in us, if we don't realize that, what we end up doing is we end up submitting, we end up yielding to him, and we allow him to have power. We allow him to have authority in our lives. What we need to realize is that Satan is a being, and we have power and authority over him. And so rather than yield to him, which has given him power and authority in our lives, we need to use the power and authority that we have in the name of Jesus and rise above those circumstances that are attacking us in, in so many different ways. That's why the Bible says you have to stand against the wiles, the deceptions, the lies, the deceit of the devil. We have to stand against it. It's going to come against us. We say, well, Pastor, I just want to be free of that. It goes back to the story you've heard me share 150 times about the guy that came up to Brother Hagin after one of his meetings said, oh, Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, I want you to pray for me. He says, what do you want me to pray? He says, I want you to pray that the devil won't bother me anymore. And he says, oh, you want me to pray that you die? And he says, no, I don't want to die. And he says, that's the only way he's not going to bother you anymore. You know, and so we have an adversary and he's out there and he wants to bring destruction into our lives. But he can't do it unless we give him opportunity. Since God has given dominion over the earth to man, he couldn't just step aside, step in and straighten out the mess. And, and <clears throat> I mean, I always kind of wondered this. God, since you created it all, why, why, why didn't you just step in and straighten it all out? Well, do you realize that if God would have done that, we couldn't have trusted him in any area? Because he would have, he would have overstepped um, his command or that which he set in order. You know, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the reason that as Christians, the reason that, that we can be so confident is because we know that God He's not a man that he should lie. He won't lie. He won't go against his word. So when he promises in, our, in his word that he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, he's going to be true to his word. And so we can stand upon that. But you know what? If he had stepped in and poof, wiped out Satan, 
we couldn't trust him because he would have overridden the, the, the authority, the, um, what's the word that I want here? He would have overstepped the order that he had placed things in. And God won't do that. And so that's why we can have total confidence in him. I mean, we can be totally confident that if we want to go to hell, we're totally welcome to do so. God won't step in and, step in and stop it. He'll do everything he can by bringing people across their path to change the direction. But you know what? We have the legal right to do that if we choose to. But we don't choose to. You know, we, we know the way, the truth, and the life. We know that it's in Jesus, and so that's what we choose. But we, we read this last week, but let's go back to it again. In Genesis 1, verse 28, because it's important for us to, to recognize this. Genesis 1, 28. Then God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve, male and female. And God said to them, Brief, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. He says, I give you dominion. I give you authority over all of it. And so, again, that's why he couldn't step in and just rule over. As creator and owner, he always had the right and privilege. But outside of total judgment, he didn't have the authority to, do just, uh, to just come into the affairs of man and change things. Look at um, Psalms 115. Verse 16, I know you've probably already read it, but I'm going to read it out of my Bible. 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. Listen to this. But the earth he has given to the children of men. But the earth he has given to children of men. And so he placed man in that position of authority to rule, to reign upon the earth. And of course, like I said, he couldn't just take it back. Be there, it says, even though mankind used their authority in a way contrary to what God desired, he would, not, he, he would have to uh, be unjust and untrue to his own statements to come down here and just take things over. And again, because he wasn't willing to do it, it, it demonstrates to us how we can totally trust him. The other thing that it shows us is that, you know, the Bible talks about how, how Jesus was crucified the, before the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, I believe. That's what I believe. I believe that in the mind of God, he had the means of redemption 
already planned out before man ever, ever sinned, before man ever failed. Um, but that's why Jesus had to come in a man, as a man, because where was authority invested? Is invested in the sons of men. So it took a son of man to be able to rise up, to live the perfect life, to be the ultimate sacrifice, to pay the price, so that you and I could be restored to that place of authority. And that's, that's what I want to see as we're talking about the believer's authority, is that <clears throat> through Jesus Christ, it isn't just through his death, burial, and the resurrection that we now get to go to heaven. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, if that's all there were, praise the Lord. But that's not all that was purchased. Dominion was restored to us. And that's why as sons of God, that's why the devil can't rule over us. His authority over us, his dominion over us, has been stripped away. Haven't you, haven't, haven't you ever thought about this? How, how is it that people in the Old Testament didn't get it? You know, now I understand that it's, it's spread out over 4,000 years or whatever. But I mean, when you're talking about the children of Israel, you saw time and time and time again that God intervened on behalf of them. We, we see the, the plagues in Egypt that didn't touch them because they were God's chosen people. We see in the wilderness where they, they cried out for water and God gave them water from a rock. Two different times he did that. We, we see how they didn't have bread and bread rained down from heaven. They didn't have meat and the birds flopped on the ground. They all had to do is go pick it up. They needed to cross the sea and they didn't have a boat, so God divided it. I mean, they saw it time after time after time, God's movement. But every time, they reverted back to their old ways. You know why? Because... The world, the flesh, and the devil had dominion over them. The world, the flesh, and the devil no longer has dominion over us. We are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Our flesh is not to rule over us. Uh, lost my train of thought. But, you know, this is a victory that has overcome the world. Faith. Jesus has done it all. And so we've been set free to walk in the victory that is available to each and every one of us. Roman numeral three, I want to read this from our notes. Since there was no person sinless, pure, and able to bring God's righteousness into the earth, he had to come and save us himself. You know, Abraham's covenant was between God and man. The new covenant was established between God and God. Jesus came in the flesh 
And he was the one who, who paved the way so that we, through God, through Jesus, could have fellowship, could have intimacy, could be restored into what was to be our rightful position. But it was through Jesus. In Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, or, yeah, 22nd chapter, 30th verse. See, there was no other way. Why did Jesus come? Because there was absolutely no other way. There wasn't anybody else that qualified. Verse 30, it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. He looked for somebody to stand in the gap. He looked for a mediator. He looked for somebody that could uh, be the in-between. But there was nobody. In Isaiah, the 59th chapter, in the 16th verse, it says, He saw there was no man and wondered that where <clears throat> that there was no intercessor and wondered that there was no intercessor that there was nobody to stand in the gap therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him now of course these are old Testament passages, but what I want us to see is that <clears throat> prophetically, this is, all, this is all looking forward to Jesus. You know, that's why I've said before, you know, everything, everything in the Old Testament, I guess I said this Wednesday night or Monday night, everything in the Old Covenant, everything in the Old Testament is pointing and looking forward to Jesus. You know, Oral Roberts had a teaching out years and years back. And uh, the title of the teaching was, was Jesus in every book of the Bible. And so his entire teaching was going from generation, from Genesis to Revelation and finding a type of Jesus in every single book of the Bible. And so in every book of the Bible, you'll find, you, you won't find the name Jesus, you won't find Messiah, but you'll find a type or a shadow of, of Jesus, of what he represents. You know, every one of those, those stories represent how Jesus is going to be the, the mediator, how Jesus will pay the price, how, how Jesus is the one that we're to look to. And so throughout all the Old Testament, what are they doing? They're looking forward to Jesus. You know, I had somebody just the other day, you know, ask me, why don't we, why don't we uh, practice Passover? What, 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 what's, what's the point? You know, because one of the significant elements of the Passover was at the head of the table, there was a chair that was set. And there was a table setting and everything, but there was nobody that was to sit in that chair. Because that chair represented the coming Messiah. But let me tell you something. That chair is not empty anymore. That chair was filled with the person of Jesus. And so why do we not practice Passover anymore? 
Because it was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, practicing the Passover, instituted Holy Communion. And what Jesus says, don't, he didn't say, practice the Passover in remembrance of me. Because that was to look forward to his coming. He said, take this, receive this bread, receive this wine, receive my body, receive my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of what I'm about to do on that cross. And so that's what Holy Communion is. That's our remembrance. Now, I have, I have no problems with, with having the Passover. I mean, it's, it's, it's a historical event. But it's a historical event a religious historical event, but it's a historical event because Jesus fulfilled it. You can go through the Old Testament and we have all these festivals that they were to celebrate. And every one of those festivals were, were, were representing a type of the coming Messiah. And Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled every one of those. You know, Jesus... He can come back at any moment. Because as far as I know, every pro prophetic scripture has been fulfilled. And so Jesus, come on Jesus, Jesus could come this very moment. And we who don't have our partners here with us and our children in this room with us, we don't have to worry, we'll all meet up in the air someplace. But Jesus fulfilled all of that. Why are we not satisfied with what Jesus has done for us? It's because we don't know the truth. We don't realize everything that Jesus has done, what he's accomplished for us. God created the physical body of Jesus to inhabit by speaking words for 4,000 years. Think about that. All the words that were spoken, prophetic words and so forth, speaking of the coming Messiah, those were words that were spoken over uh, concerning him. That, those were words that gave, gave birth. You know, <clears throat> the other thing that this ought to do, this teaching ought to do, it ought to open our, our spiritual eyes to the importance of the words that come out of our mouth. Because the words that come out of our mouth are are creative words. It was those words that were spoken that entered, I believe, entered into the womb of, of Mary. Listen, listen to this. First Luke, or Luke 1. Depends on if you're speaking... I don't know. Some languages put it the other way around. So, you know, and I I, I tried to say it like uh, you know I just got the revelation of it, but it's it's really in your notes. So, uh, but um, in Luke one, verse thirty-eight, listen to this. You know, because I'm thinking of the word of the angel, but I I, I think it's I think it's much deeper than that. Listen, listen to this. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, 
let it be done to me according to your word. And of course, I, I always think of the word of the angel because then the angel departed. But, you know, and we could all say it by heart. But look at 1 John. I just have a hard time just skipping down to verse 14, so I'm not going to. John, John 1. Big John, not little John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made. In him was light, and the light was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now we can drop down to the 14th verse. And the Word, it was the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We need to be full of grace and truth. It was words that were spoken through those thousands of years. Speaking of the coming of the Messiah, speaking of the coming of Jesus that brought birth. Um, since we're in John, let's go ahead and turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. God couldn't get to Satan directly without violating his word because he had given authority over the earth to people with physical, human bodies. And so he was not going to uh, come against his word. And so in in John 5, 26, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in his, himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. You know, I, I, when I'm teaching on my on the six elementary principles of Christ, which we find in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, you know, which is repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions on washings or baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And when I'm talking about eternal judgment, one of the things that I like to talk about, because it, judgment is contrary to the nature of God. Because God isn't judgment. It's like we shared on Sunday. God is love. If you want to know what defines who God is, God is love. And so judgment, even though it's part of authority, it's, it's not who he is. It's not what he wants. And so we see in the Old Covenant, we see how God uh, was judged. There were things that he had to pronounced judgment on and so forth. And then we see, you know, by this scripture that he took judgment and he basically transferred it to Jesus. 
Why? Because if he was to carry that role of Godhead, he carried that, that, that authority of that position of judgment. But what's interesting about Jesus, who was the Word, but yet from himself he transferred the, word, the, the judgment to the Word. Because he says that if we'll take the Word and if we will, how are we to be judged? We're to be judged by the Word. And so we can judge ourselves according to the Word. That's why as born-again believers, because we've received the Word unto ourselves, we've been born again, we will, we will not enter into judgment. You know why? We've already been judged. How have we been judged? We've been judged according to the Word. And according to the Word, that judgment has declared us innocent because of the blood of Jesus, because it completely washed away all of our sin. And so, through Jesus, authority has been restored to us. Jesus entered into the devil's kingdom and he destroyed it. You know, it talks about how he, he came against powers and principalities. It talks about he, he made an open display or he made an open spectacle of the enemy. When? When he whooped his tail. That's when he did it. He, he defeated him. He's, he stripped him of the keys. He stripped him of his authority. And so what he's doing now, he's trying to, he, he's like that lion that we made reference to last week, who roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour, but he roams about as a roaring lion. In other words, he's a bunch of noise, but he doesn't have any punch to it. It's like I heard a preacher say one time, he's a toothless lion. All he can do is gum you. You know, he has no, he has no bite unless we give it to him. But he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And who may he devour? Those who accept the deception that they can't resist, that they can't overcome, that they can't defeat the enemy in what he's trying to do, what he's trying to produce in their, in their lives. In John, the fourth chapter, John, the fourth chapter, in the 24th verse, and it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But notice, it's twofold. It isn't just in spirit, but it's in spirit and truth. I don't remember if it was Brother Hagen that said this or Mark Brzee. But he said, if it's all spirit, you blow up. If it's all truth, word, you'll dry up. It's a combination of the two. It's spirit and truth. And so we need to have the spirit in our life but we also must have truth in our life. We must walk in that truth. I've already read it once, but let's go back and look at it again in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over everything that moves on the earth. We're without limits. But we put limits on it. Remember, that's what we said last week was the thing that, that Satan saw, Lucifer saw in creation. He had authority. But he saw, but, but his authority was limited to what he was commanded and told to do. But he saw a man with unconditional authority. And he lusted after it. And it corrupted him. I believe that that's where the fall came in because of, of what he saw. Psalm 78, verse 41. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you know what? Until we understand the dominion, the authority that we have through Jesus Christ, we limit God. You know, I, 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 I'm always... I'm always amazed at this. You know, I remember the, the, the first shock that I ever had was that I thought God could do anything that God wanted to do because that, that's what I've been taught. You know, if God wants to do it, He can do it. He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's almost like I can remember so clearly the day that I read the Scripture passage that said, that the traditions of man cause the Word of God to be ineffective. And I thought, whoa. I thought anything could be, I thought the Word of God could accomplish anything. I thought God could do anything with His Word. But it said, the traditions of man cause the Word of God to be ineffective. Or we could say it this way. The traditions of man limits the ability of God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Or we could say it this way. Not knowing the truth will limit our ability to receive what God has made available to us. By the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. There's people that'll say to your face, they do not believe that that scripture is applicable for today. That healing, deliverance, tongues, many of the mass manifestations of the Spirit, they passed away with the last of the apostles. That's what their tradition tells them. And so that individual, you can speak until you're blue in the face. 
but they won't receive the scripture. Why? Because their tradition. Now, I've got nothing against tradition. I've got nothing against doctrine. I believe in doctrine. I just have a problem with false doctrine. I just have a problem with tradition that goes against the values and the principles of Scripture. That's where I run into difficulty. And that's where all of us ought to run into difficulty. Because if we've got a tradition and that tradition doesn't line up with the Word of God, that tradition has to change. And you know, as a growing up in a denominational church, I've, I've, lived, a, I've lived a life of repentance from the standpoint that I, <clears throat> I, there, there are things that arise up that I learned as a child and all of a sudden I realize That isn't scriptural. You know, the classic was when Don Hicks was still here. He was my associate, and we were having our men's breakfast one time, and somebody brought up the scripture, men failed to tread where wise, angels failed to fear to tread where wise men, something or other, something along those lines. And there's a dispute as to whether or not that was really scripture, and you know, both Don and I says, yes, that's scripture. And so we're out here on Monday morning or whatever, going through our concordances, looking it up and trying to find it. We're not having any success. And I'm in my office and, you know, our intercon system was out bang on the wall. And it hit me and I banged on the wall and I said, Don, that's not a scripture, that's an Elvis song. <laughs> it, was a, it was a song of Elvis Presley. But, you know, it, we, we thought it was scripture. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people, things that people think are scripture. But it has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. It's, it's merely traditions of man. We all know the account of Jesus. It says in Mark 6, 5 and 6, how he went to his own people. And it says how he could not do mighty works there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So Jesus says, he, was, he marveled at their unbelief. You know, um, Rick Renner would teach that, um, that there where it talks about a few laid hands on a few sick folk. If you go back into the literal, what that actually is saying, a few minor ailments, you know, colds or whatever. He was able to heal a few of those. But you know what? Every place where Jesus went, he was thronged, I think that's the word, by crowds. And the crowds were full of people with diseases, with sicknesses, with uh, demonic problems. They thronged him. They, they pressed on him. Every place that he went, that's how it was. And so I'll guarantee you, there were more than a few minor ailments here. There were, there were people here with every class, condition of sickness that you could think of. But Jesus, if anybody was going to be able to heal people in spite of the condition of those around him, it would have been Jesus. But it says, 
he could not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. They wouldn't believe what he was teaching. Now, this is pre-cross. And so those people weren't born again. But when it, once again, the folk had been following him around. They had seen the miracles and everything. But, you know, this is, this is Joseph's boy. This is the carpenter's son, you know, Mary. <laughs> you know, we've, we've always wondered about Mary, you know, because the things around his birth, questionable, if you know what I mean. People haven't changed. I'll guarantee you, that was the discussion. And because they looked and they judged, they couldn't receive. But you know what? We have the same thing today. Uh, you know, I've heard about that, Pastor Dave, you know. He didn't go to a real school. You know, he went to a, you know, they call it a training center. You know, and so, and, you know, the people out there, you know, they're just a little bit fanatical, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, and, and so what, what happens is they, they, they gain a perception. And so, they don't get their healing. The other thing I can say is, we have a lot of people. There are a lot of people in this town and in the surrounding area that want absolutely nothing to do with us until until sickness, till something comes upon them and they have nowhere to turn because they're, 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 there's no hope. And like I shared on Sunday about hopelessness, hopelessness is death. And that's all that they see is death. We have something. We have hope because we have the Word of God and you won't find hope in any other place other than in the Word of God. He is the way. He is the truth. And so, as we shared last week, you know, just, <clears throat> you know, God operates, his, his authority operates through flesh, through us. That's why the enemy wants to uh, possess and control. That's why he wants to deceive us into thinking his way so that he can use us because he has no means of expression here on the earth unless he has an individual that he can operate through. And see, he doesn't have to possess us to do that. All that he has to do is have influence in our lives. Every one of us, we've been influenced by others. You know, I say, you know, we, we talk about peer pressure and how teenagers have peer pressure. Well, I've come to the conclusion you don't ever outgrow it. Peer pressure will work on us. I'm 68, it still works on me. And so what does that peer pressure do? It controls us. It can get us to do things we, don't, we wouldn't normally do. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He, he wants to bring deception into our life. He wants to bring pressure into our life. And in the Old Testament, Satan is referred to as the prince of Persia. And if you study that out in the Hebrew, 
the prince of Persia would mean he's the prince of pressure. You know how you can tell whether it's God or whether it's the devil that's trying to influence your life? The Holy Spirit will lead you. The devil, the world, and flesh, not just your flesh, but other flesh, will try to pressure you into doing something. And so when you feel pressure, what you need to do is step back. And you need to think, why, why, why am I feeling this way? Where, where is this pressure coming from? Because I know that the Holy Spirit doesn't pressure me. The Holy Spirit leads me. He, he shows me. He guides me. He doesn't push me. The devil, the world, and the flesh are pushing. They're pushing. The Holy Spirit, he leads us. He leads us through still, in still waters. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us through anything or whatever it is that might come against us. He leads us. Well, I can't read that. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah, the 14th chapter. The 15th verse. I just, I just want to thank you all for coming on Wednesday nights. You know, I, I've said it before, I love Wednesday nights, and I know a lot of people don't want to be bothered with it, but I love Wednesday nights, and I want to thank you for coming because, you know, the last four weeks, I have learned so much on Wednesday nights. I don't know if it's done anything for you, so I, but I, I thank you for coming because you, 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 you pull it out of me. But I, I'll tell you, I have learned so much these last four weeks. I, I, can't, I can't even express what I've known. You say, well, Pastor, of course you would. You made the notes. The notes have nothing to do with it. It's, it's all about being in this room on Wednesday night. And it's not because it's this room. It's because it's us. And it's that corporate anointing that is here to, to set us free. And I have had, well, I, I just hope that you've had an inkling what I believe I've been able to see these last nights. And so I just, I thank you for being faithful and, and coming for my benefit. Because <laughs> I'm selfish. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm already dreading it. I just know in a couple months, summer is here. And we, we call off Wednesday evening. I'm, I'm, I'm already dreading it. Everybody else is thinking, praise the Lord, we don't have to go to church on Wednesday night. I'm just dreading it. I just love Wednesday nights. And I know I shouldn't because, you know, we just got, there's just a few of us here. But we're the, we're the cream of the crop, folk. And uh, I love it. I just, I, just, I just love the Word of God. Don't you just love the Word of God? It is so freeing. It is so... Oh, so wonderful. Our God is so good. Let's just lift our hands up to him right now. 
Oh, Father, we just bless you. We worship you. We thank you for giving us the word. We thank you for sending the word, for sending Jesus and sending the Holy Spirit to open up the word to us so that we can see clearly. Thank you for truth. And it's this truth that is setting us free. And, and we know, we know, Father, that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. But we're so hungry for so much more. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I was 30 again. Not, not because I want to live through my 30s, 40s, and 50s. That has no, I just wish I was 30 again. And start where I am right now. Hallelujah. Yet, um, Isaiah 14, 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Shalom, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those, this is talking about Satan. Those who see you <laughs> will gaze at you and consider you, saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made world, the world as a wilderness and destroyed cities? Who did not open houses of the prison? If we could see, we would... What? I mean, I'm sure you've been... I've been there. Where you're, you're just so... You're so fearful of something. Now, I know you're all bolder and more courageous than me, but there's been these things that I've been so fearful and, and, and you get into the midst of it and you think, why? Well, there's no big deal. He's no big deal. So he doesn't sit next to my bed tonight, you know. <clears throat> but, he's, but he's no big deal. We just got to come to this realization. Devil, you're no big deal. You don't dominate me. You don't control me. You don't have any authority over me. I do not yield to deception that comes from you because I have the truth. I don't only have the truth, I know the truth. And the truth that I have and the truth that I know has set me free from you. And therefore you have no authority over me. I don't listen to anything that you have to say. Just get out of my face, get out of my life, get out from under my hair. I don't want anything to do with you in Jesus' name. And you know what? You, each and every one of us, we have the authority to address him in just such a manner in Jesus' name. Well, pastor, I just think that that's kind of arrogant and that's kind of, uh, you know, well, get over it. Get over it and realize you've got authority in the name of Jesus and I will not yield one speck of my life or my family to him. He'll not dominate. He'll not control. He'll not deceive because we have the truth. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
Go and live victorious in this world that we rule and reign in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.